Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Art Meets a Podcast, Episode 7. I'm your host, Precious Mohone, and your other host is Paida. Hey, Paida. Hey, hey, Precious. Hey, everyone. I'm so glad to be here today. Today, I think it's a great episode. We're talking about Earth Whisperers. So we're talking about Earth Whisperers um, in the work of Precious Okoyaman and Otabang Kanga. So I bet you guys are all wondering what Earth Whisperer means. So we kind of came up with that on the spot. I think we're going to trademark it. Um, mm-hmm. But we were talking about artists whose practice deals with the environment, ecology, and uh, how those artists use their multidisciplinary ways of working to speak back to that. So Otto Bonkanga is a multidisciplinary artist who employs sculpture, drawing, performance to explore politics of land and its relationship to the body. Unpacking histories of land ownership and migrations, uh, Otto Bonkanga brings to light the memories and historical impacts provoked by humans and nature. And Precious Okoyaman is a New York-based artist, poet, and chef, born in London, first raised in Nigeria, and finally settling in the U.S., their practice explores themes of blackness, colonialism, life, date, death, and ways of rebirth. They're cultivating a practice that encompasses the, exp- the exploration of everyday materials from plants, soil, organic materials such as wool, as well as food. I was just thinking, it's funny how when we initially started the idea of this conversation, the framing was was narrow, not to say narrow, but was was specifically about you know the a direct the relationship world, between the end of the world yes like an art but I think it's great that now we're thinking about this idea of earth whispering if you will or the idea of a connectedness to the world rather than the end of the world so dare I say it I think it almost starts to feel more like a hopeful conversation as opposed to one rooted in existential dread yeah, I agree with you because I think maybe I was, I was feeling, I was starting to feel like a lot of the episodes that we were doing were really more leaning towards existential dread or more focused towards that. And we haven't yet aired the episodes that were more kind of hopeful or just took a slightly different turn of view in terms of what is the opposite of existential dread? Like, where is the hope in that? We can talk about how the world is ending, but then what what are the, what are the threads of hope that can we that we can pull through in that way? And I think these artists definitely do that. And I yeah, and I like that we kind of settled on those who whisper to the earth and this idea that they both of their practices are about talking to the earth is really interesting to me. Um, and also, I don't know, like they seem to have very full and very holistic practices um, that engage in quite Absolutely. a lot of aspects. Yeah. And, and each of those aspects speak, speak very directly about ecology, the earth, what it means to be alive, what it means to be a human, what it means to consider yourself as part of a whole as opposed to a singular individual self and the whole mm-hmm. being plant life, nature, animal life, spirit life, all those other aspects. Yeah, and not even just like life in the present, but also the idea of the evolution of life. So a connectedness to raw materials, a connectedness to migration and how 
objects, bodies, all move through the world and then shift? And how are we in tune with those shifts and changes in ourselves, but also in our ecologies and our geographies? Um, and I think it's almost like looking back to kind of situate yourself in the present, but also to understand or kind of almost map the journey that we're taking environmentally as people and even thinking through artistic practice. Um, you said it earlier, but this idea of like a holistic approach, um, mm -hmm. not choosing to separate yourself from your environment or from the world around you and how that impacts the ways in which your praxis exists, the ways in which we make. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's like a, a, a thing that maybe ties itself more to the notion of Ubuntu, um, more so than existentialism, but it also is incredibly aware of existence. So maybe it is, it's the middle ground. The middle ground is, is understanding that we are in commune with the world around us. And we build this community, not just with other people, but with, with the earth, with the elements. And I think the reason why I'm intrigued by both of these artists' work is the idea that everything is part of this making. And, and I think we've mentioned this earlier, or we've talked about this like off, off camera, off podcast, Okay. is how you know the process is in the existing for both these artists um you always kind of imagine an artist in their studio space and they're making work which then ends up as object and exists outside of themselves mm. but when i look at precious and Ottobong, I, I feel like they're living their work in their day-to-day -day, yeah. which i think we all do as people you know like we're constantly impacted by the world around us. You know, every time you step outside your house or even in your house, everything is there with you, you know, like yeah. it's, it's nothing is removed or separate. Things are just kind of shifting in their physical makeup, but these energies are present. And I, I personally tend to always get that sense in both of their practice. Like there's a constant feeling of energy, like present energy. And I think that's like a hopeful thing to me. Yeah. Definitely. I think it is a hopeful thing. And I think in in their work, we talked about how they also have this like a quiet confidence within themselves to present the work and to do the work that they do. They always seem very present, very grounded, very aware of what's around them and what's going on around them. And for me, it also comes through in Otterbank's performances, especially, um, for example, the way that she is doing performances that activate these natural resources that she's engaging with. So Otterbang did this work called Remains of the Green Hill, where she went to a mine in Namibia and they used to mine natural resources. And she basically sang to this mine, asking it what's, what its names used to be before, I guess, human intervention. And it's a really beautiful work and she tries to, it's, it feels as though she's trying to make atonement or appeasement to the harm caused to the mind by humans. Um, and I think it speaks very strongly to this idea of earth whispering. So in her attempt to do this work, I mean, imagine if the earth could speak back, like what would the earth be saying to her? Yeah. and. Um... Also, I think just thinking about that idea of using performance as a way to communicate larger ecological questions, I think is really interesting as well. Mm. Because I think by performing, 
it kind of brings what is an inanimate space or object to life. And it almost allows for a general public to maybe place themselves either in the position of, you know, this anthropomorphized mind or the position of, of Otterbong and really think about the spaces that they occupy and the impact that they're having on their surroundings or the, the objects that they consume and where they came from. So it's, it always kind of makes you feel as though you have to really consider your connectedness and your presence, you know, within your geography. Yeah, and I guess there's also this, another um, aspect of both of their work is that they both are poets, like they both write poetry. And when they perform their poetry, it seems to always be, a, be an attempt again to, to anthropomorphize these materials and natural materials. It's like when in Precious Okoyamon's work, Earthseed, when they, they did an installation um, which consisted of taking over a space, I think it was in Germany, and they basically planted kudzu, which is a, a plant or a weed from Japan in the space. And the kudzu basically took over the entire space. And between the kudzu, they had these sculptures of what looked like people or humans or bodies in the space. There's a video of the of the work where they are basically reading poetry, their own poetry, but then also they are reading, or other people are also reading their own poetry as well. It seems as though these figures in the space are then talking to each other or having a conversation with each other, or it could seem as if the the plants and like the the life within them, the small bugs and the spiders, are also part of this larger conversation. And I really appreciate how that act again reminds humans that like we are not separate or we are very much connected to the natural world. So I really find it interesting the way that their poetry activates their spaces or the materials they use in this way. Mm, absolutely. <clears throat> and speaking specifically to Earthseed, something that I think is interesting to note. So kudzu is a Japanese vine. Mm -hmm. um, and that's, as you said, the material that's used in this uh, space in Germany, in Frankfurt, um, where they created this installation. But what I love, and I think I mentioned this earlier about Otterbong, is the idea of, of looking back to kind of situate yourself in the present. Kudzu was actually brought to America um, in Hi. the 19th century as a way to um, curb soil erosion that was taking place because of the cultivation of cotton. Mm -hmm. uh, but what they didn't realize is that kudzu is an invasive species. You're importing this, this thing from a foreign country to help um, curb the soil erosion that your overplanting of cotton is producing. But then the second that that thing grows or becomes comfortable, it becomes a nuisance to you. And so they actually ended up calling it the vine that ate the South. So funny enough, it's actually illegal now to import or grow kudzu in certain spaces without like some sort of regulation around it. So for Precious Okoyamon to have this exhibition, they had to do it in Germany. Wow. Um, and, she, and, and they couldn't actually bring it back. So once the installation was done, they couldn't bring the kudzu back to America because that's illegal. And I think this work is really interesting in relation to Otto Bonkanga's work. Uh, in the sense that you can apply the same idea behind the kudzu vine or the mine at Sumeb to 
a multitude of other things in relation to migration and movement, the migration and movement of a vine from one geography to another, uh, the migration and movement of raw materials from one space to then be transformed in another, but also the idea of migration of people and bodies. And so there's this idea of constant movement um, and shift and having to adapt to new environments. And what does that do to the spaces that are left behind? What does that do to um, these new spaces that they must occupy and how do they adapt themselves? And so I think even the process of making this installation, mm. you know, goes back to looking at a historical moment and situating that exact feeling in the present. And, and I think that's really considered, it's a thoughtful way to talk about um, broader issues such as the effects of migration, um, not just of these materials, but also the effects that it has in terms of slavery and also in terms of um, colonialization. Yeah, I mean, it's so intense. And again, it speaks to how holistic the practice is of doing this like mm -hmm. historical work and bringing it back to the present or understanding that like you know the material history of the specific plant is so much rooted in the history of slavery and colonialism and yeah having to grapple with yeah. that and I think both of them do that kind of work too like it's the same thing when in Otterbaum's work because every element of a material is thought through Right, so, you know, she's looking at copper, um, all of these other natural resources and the multitude of ways in which they exist or the impact and the effect that they have. So it's never a work that has a singular reading. I think a lot of her work has multiple ways in which it can be read. And that always speaks back to this idea of a holistic way of working, but how we are connected to the environment in so many ways. I think it's also why her practice is so holistically again, but like how it's expressed through the different mediums that she engages with. Like I think as an installation artist, she's using different materials, one which are obviously very considered, but then she's also doing performance, mm -hmm. she's doing poetry, and I guess maybe sound. Um, yeah. So yeah, like you said, like different her work, you can approach her work from different elements, but they all seem to always make up the whole, like all these different aspects come back to, yeah, yeah there's like a singular idea constantly being looked at or perpetuated maybe in her work. Another element of Prisha Koyaman's work that's interesting in a, in a similar way to, to Otterbong in relation to the idea of these things live on and they evolve is how we talked about Kudzu and Earthseed and I want to now uh, speak to how that work was then transformed after its installation at MMK in Frankfurt. That kudzu was incinerated and it was then sent to back to the US to be installed in uh, performance space in New York. And the installation was called Fragmented Body Perceptions as Higher Vibration Frequencies to God. That installation utilized that wet ash as it fell from the ceiling. Um, so it slowly emptied into an algae filled stream that was surrounded by moss covered boulders and gravel. And it became a really interesting space for people to, to be still. And it was framed as being a space uh, that sought to hold people's grief. Now this all took place during the period of, of lockdown 
um, and all of the tumult that happened at that time in relation to the Black Lives Matter movement and all of the things we were seeing and visitors were invited to sit or stand or lay down in the space and take their time. And I think that's a really interesting evolution of that singular material of kudzu from the one space um, and being brought into another in a different form. But it, it still is talking about um, history and our presence in the world and kind of allowing us that space to, to connect. Yeah, I think it also speaks to this idea of being fungible or fungibility. Like mm -hmm. I know maybe like maybe what's like Fred Moten has used the word fungible quite a lot in his theories as it relates to blackness. It's basically this idea that like that a commodity can be replaced by another identical item, that things are mutually mutually interchangeable. The fact that you could replace you could replace black bodies with another black body. So I think all of their works, yeah, that's interesting that like Precious took this kudzu and then burnt it into something else that it changed form. And so yeah. you have this idea of like a life cycle basically happening in this installation. Exactly. Yeah, that's incredibly interesting. And I guess it, I mean, once again, it goes back to the idea that we are all linked together or tied together. Yeah, I'm glad that you just said linked together or tied together because it made me think of um, a signifier in Otto Bong's work that comes up quite a few times, which is the use of the needle. In Otto Bong's work, the needle is present either in the form of drawings uh, or as installations, and it's been referred to in video works as well. And I think the needle is an interesting object with which to reflect upon that kind of dichotomy and that tension between building something, using this needle to stitch things together, to repair, to heal, I guess, but also the idea of the violence of the needle and the way in which it can rupture, the way in which it can cause harm and damage. And I think that to me tends to reflect a lot of the ways in which we are constantly in this tension of making but also destroying life and death and, and I think it becomes this universal way of talking about the complexities of our existence the the, the journeying that we take from uh, making life giving life to then the end of that journey into death or into destruction so yeah that whole notion of life cycle again as you said mm, it comes through but I'm wondering um, maybe in your because you have worked on her exhibition how did like when audiences went to see the show like how did they react to the show do you feel like I mean do you feel like people these materials when they are highlighted in this way in this work do people then register things on a deeper level or emotive level I can point specifically to Otto Bonkanga's installation, Taste of a Stone, in saying that um, when moving through the space in a very similar way to Precious Okoyamon, it is about slowing down. Um, and so I think that's how these raw materials in a gallery space impact people. Um, I think we're very much used to seeing an object on a wall or placed on a plinth, but to suddenly find yourself 
immersed um, in the outside whilst indoors does slow you down and does allow for a sense of reflection. And I think especially in this kind of age of, of consuming very quickly, you know, you think of in a pre-COVID world, moving through museums and galleries and, and, and you kind of almost felt like you needed to move at pace. You know, you needed to kind of observe something and move on to the next. But I think it's really important to be able to kind of stop, to sit, to reflect. Um, and maybe there's something to be said about bringing in these organic materials that kind of make you want to kind of slow down because you're contemplating their existence in such a, a, a kind of white cube space as it were. Um, it seems like the materials have to be really specific, like the materials and the concept come together and they're not sort of disjointed. So with text of a stone, um, obviously there have been different iterations in different places, but then the fact that like each iteration, she uses very specific materials from that place. I think it just speaks more strongly to the place. And I think it makes the people who are in that space more connected to the work and the installations. Yeah, so I guess that was our take on Precious Okoyaman and Ochobong Kanga's practice um, and the ways in which they deal with ecology through a very holistic practice that encompasses not just the making of objects, but also a performative element that includes poetry, which then lends itself to a, a more robust practice. Mm, yeah, and especially like I seem to go back to this term of like the earth whisperers, which I love as a description for what they do. And hoping that I can take more of that, or we can all take more of that kind of earth whispering into our daily lives and practices, no matter what it is. Absolutely. All right, everybody, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye. Bye.